Hello and welcome to the download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson, and it's Stu's Days. But again, we're on, on Wednesday because of our terrible travel schedules, Stu, or at least mine. That's right. I might need a new name, Dave. <laughs> Webner or Webner yeah. or something like, yeah, something like that? Yeah, something like that. Webster, maybe. Maybe Thurston. We, we, Thurston. we tried Thurston before. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, it, it, as it worked out, this, this was not by accident. This was a stroke of brilliance on my part. Because, you see, I knew this afternoon on the 21st day of December, or of September, the Federal Reserve was making their announcement. So I thought the podcast would be more relevant if we waited until after the announcement, right? Yep. And, and then we have the discussion with you because then you've got like a whole bunch of bunch more wisdom to share about what's happened because something's actually happened. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, because then before I would have said, well, the Fed will come out and the market will go up 50 points, down 50 points, up 50 points, and then down 50 points, all within the two hours uh, since the, uh, the decision. And, uh, you know, that cumulative return, if you got each of those swings right, was about four or five percent. Did, did, did you get them right? Uh, we didn't. We didn't uh, venture into that uh, that area, but uh, it is indicative of of the struggle uh, that uh, people are, you know, investors are feeling in the very short term. Yep. So so uh, so here, let me tell you where we are going to venture, Stu. We're going to venture back to camp, camp one and camp two. We talked about that last week. Yes. So so the Fed comes out with their their seventy five basis point raise, and then and then some other stuff around the dot plots, which is which are now suggesting that the Fed funds rate may peak out more around four and a half than, you know, three and a half, four or four to four and a quarter, as we may have thought before uh, that the 10 year 10 year Treasury in the U.S. just continues to just kind of creep higher, uh, although it kind of went up and fell back down again after the announcement. So let's go back to our camp one and camp two. And who, yeah. who, who got the best of this announcement today? Uh well, I think I think uh, you know, kind of like where we've been before. Uh, neither camp was totally happy, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, you know, Camp One, Camp One thinks rates have to go quite a bit higher to, uh, you know, snuff out inflation. Um, camp Two says, uh, you know, there's a lot of market-based indicators, uh, PPI, uh, inflation expectations, uh, many things in the basket are coming down. Um, you know, even and we can we can talk about this and even the wage increases that, um, you know, we saw a big settlement with the railroad uh, workers at about five percent a year for three years. And, um, you know, that, you know, even that could have been worse, I think, yes. uh, when we when we kind of got into it. So, you know, the 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 camp, too, is of the mindset that inflation is is uh, in the process of, of alleviating. And if the Fed keeps go going on interest rates, then then they're going to push the economy into more of a slowdown, and that's going to be bad for earnings. And that's kind of like there's kind of two things around something being bad for earnings because you know the stock market is always forward looking, so you can have a you can, in a recession you can have a decline in earnings, but as that decline is happening, the Fed has already started to reverse course and started to add liquidity back to the market, start to lower interest rates, in which case the market looks through that because yeah. they say, yeah, that doesn't matter. It's going to get better. 
the the issue that Camp Two has right now is 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 the duration of you know some of the the higher interest rates. So um, you know it's not it's not uh, that they're going to go you know five or six percent or whatever, but you know if they go to four and a quarter, if they go to four and a half, and they stay there for a longer period of time then that could suppress earnings for a longer period of time as well, which the stock market needs to take into consideration. It's the same thing you said on the 10-year bond, which is you know, kind of been one side or the other, five or six basis points of 350. But you know, when you think about um, a bond, I can buy a one-year bond today, and I can go and look at what will a nine-year bond be in one year's time, or I can buy a 10-year bond today. Yep. So when you start to move shorter-term interest rates up, then it kind of has to follow a little bit into all bond prices, because uh, you know if I'm buying a two-year at at uh, at four percent and a, a five-year at three seventy-five or whatever it is and a ten-year at three fifty, well if the if the two-year goes to four and a quarter, then the ten-year probably needs to be a handful of basis points higher. Sure, sure. right. To and, kind of a quick and, and we're seeing a lot of Canadian investors are 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 skewed that way. They're they're. They're making more conservative calls, so whether it's bonds or cash, cash equivalents, and they're staying shorter term in, in terms of what they're doing because, A, you get a higher rate shorter term, uh, and you know, you're, you're just looking to get over a period of uncertainty right now. So, so, we're, so, so we're seeing a lot of Canadian investors do that. Yeah, I, um, you know, that's interesting, to, you know, just to, to, you know, on the Canadian side because um, like a lot of, you know, we talk so much about the U.S. tenure. But when you get into an economy where, you know, people are more convinced that, you know, the central bank has been successful, like in June of this year, the Canadian 10-year bond was about 10 basis points higher than the U.S. 10-year bond. Yeah. Yeah. We sit here today with the Canadian 10-year almost 50 basis points lower than the U.S. 10-year bond. So it can happen quite quickly. Um, you know, once you get into a situation where markets are are more comfortable that, you know, the central bank action is going to be enough and they can begin to say, I can really, you know, start to see the end of it. You know, you get a lot of different dynamics in the bond market and, uh, you know, we're just not there yet in the United States, but um, yeah, I thought that was kind of an interesting example. And you, you flipped me a, a fantastic chart over the weekend that really looks at that because we, we, we get all these different announcements around the various price index, consumer price index from US, Canada, Europe, but but a lot of times those are those are really looking in the rearview mirror. So w what you had sent to me was was something that tends to be a little bit more forward looking in terms of where prices are going. Why why don't you why don't you share that and and what that shows that's different from what we're seeing or ahead of what we're seeing? I think is a better way of positioning it with the consumer price index. Yeah. Well, so this was around uh, the uh, purchasing price index, X food and energy. So this is what's kind of going on on the call it business to business side. And, you know, that is quite a bit more contained than what's going on inflation wise. And, uh, you know, the last the last buckets uh, of, of inflation on a CPI front are really in the services area, which are, you know, heavily influenced by wages. Um, you know, when you're when you're in a business like, you know, say, uh, um, you know, if you took if you took the railroad uh, workers, for example, if if you had 100 cents of revenue at a railway and maybe you had 60 cents of, of costs and maybe half of that was labor, if that $30 up 5%, then the railroad needs to increase prices by one and a half percent if they don't get any productivity uh, you know, to offset that increase. 
Now, normally businesses get some form of productivity. Uh, right now, that's been you know under pressure for a couple of reasons. I think one of them is COVID. As we've talked about, you lose labor productivity with people staying at home sick, the impact of long COVID, certain things like this. But, you know, and, you know, so wages in in some instances can be, you know, contained uh, at an inflation level that's that's not, uh, you know, not too high. Meanwhile, if you're, you know, straight service, you know, uh, I know like, you know, like if you go to the physiotherapist or you go get a massage, Dave, or something like that, like. And they need to charge you an extra, you know, six or seven percent. It's going to be up six or seven percent. So, you know, those are, you know, some of the dynamics that are going on uh, on the inflation front that gives you, you know, some comfort on the forward side and say, you know, when we think back and we say, well, what were the ingredients of inflation? Monetary stimulus, fiscal stimulus, uh, supply chain due to COVID, the Ukraine war. The impact of those four is, you know, largely, you know, starting to come off. Wages are still uh, moving, but they're kind of a lagging indicator often on inflation. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, those are some of the things that people in camp to, uh, you know, really hang their hat on. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the, the one thing through all of this, and we've, we've talked about before this whole idea of the, you know, push the economy down, release it, it, it overshoots, and now it's kind of normalizing lost in a lot of the discussion as as I look as I look at long-term charts of, of 10-year bond yields they typically float between two and five percent and so if we top out at four even if we top out at four and a half percent we're very much in a historical range we're, we're not talking about extremes and if even if they went that high you know the data that you're seeing right now suggests that it's not likely to stay that high for too too long that's right. Like if we look at the real rate of interest, so we take a 10-year bond and subtract the inflation expectation, we're back to where we were in late 2018. Yeah. And, you know, that was a level that was a challenge uh, yeah. for the market and for the economy. So, uh, you know, there is there is tightening that has been embedded into the into the system. It just takes a bit of time to show up. Um, you know, so investors are focused on uh, will the Fed go too far and cause more pain? Um, you know that that's always possible. Um, you know it's often quite brief. Uh, you know I think you know the other thing that always comes to mind when we're in these situations is um, you know companies adapt. So you know right now you have <clears throat> you have companies that have been functioning in one environment. Sometimes it takes them a bit of time to to kind of refocus on the new environment. But they refocus on the new environment. They they find ways to be more productive. They find ways to control their costs. The economy starts to do better, and the revenue that then gets generated in the recovery ends up creating a lot of profits because of the actions they took during the downturn. And um, you know, sometimes you get into situations where you you kind of wish you could just fast forward the movie because you know you know how the cycles are gonna are gonna play out and. Um, you know, as investors, it's it's pretty hard not to get focused on the here and now and well, what's going to happen, you know, this time, that time, you know, right off the bat. But, you know, the cyclical nature of how earnings in the economy works through these periods of time, uh, you know, is something that, you know, long term investors really want to be you know, thinking about because, yes, the economy is likely to slow down. Maybe there'll be a recession. But once we've had enough uh, of Fed tightening and we start to move back towards stimulus, the market will, you know, then look towards better days and multiples will expand and, and it'll be on higher earnings expectations at the time. 
and that'll be and that'll be an attractive time to own stocks. And um, you know, in the interim, you know, we're big fans of dollar cost averaging, but um, you know, when you when you get into a situation where sentiment is negative, uh, there's going to be some type of a slowdown. The amount of chatter around recession is quite high. Uh, it can be very frustrating for investors. It's an it's an emotional period of time, but it's also the time to sharpen your pencils and and uh, you know and think about you know what is on the table here uh, on the other side of this valley. Yeah, and 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 by by the way, you I I just won my bet because uh, you mentioned dollar cost averaging before the fifteen minute mark of the of the podcast uh so that the the, the over under was was 15 minutes so that's good so you're still dollar cost average boy but one one of the one of the fantastic things that you get to get to get get to do that that so many investors don't I, and I'd be included is you do get to go out and 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 meet with those companies and that lead those leadership teams of the companies it must be fascinating to see you know you know like there's inc- well, yeah, the listeners that work, work at work at companies. I we, we work and we see the stuff going on around us. You know, brilliant people who are experts in their industry and how they adjust to different environments and 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 make it work. And and then of course we we come out of an economic downturn. Hundred percent. And and you know what we you know, we we try not to really ask management exactly what will happen. We try and understand what would you do if this happens. Yes. So then so then. When it starts happening, we kind of already in our head know what they're going to do. Yeah. And and it, it's it's you know they look at their revenue line, they understand how that might change, they understand you know are there certain products that we could emphasize, certain things we should be emphasized. They look at their cost structure. Could we realign it this way? Could we make better use of these resources? You know the you know just the way you know anyone deals with a problem that's in front of them. These management teams not only do they want to do well, they're incented to get the returns on capital that uh, that shareholders want. So they're busy at work. They got all sorts of plans and some things work, some things don't, but in the fullness of time, uh, they, it all, it all turns out pretty well across a broad swath of, uh, of good companies. Yeah. And then, and then over time, because you've been investing for a long, long time, you get a feel for what companies have leadership and management teams that respond effectively in these situations versus those that don't have that same track record. And that's something you can apply to what you're doing in terms of, of managing assets. Yeah, like there's there's a handful of, you know, a couple of buckets that we really like companies that were winners going into them have good balance sheets. They win going into downturns. They often come out winning even more. Yeah. Uh, companies that have challenged balance sheets and, you know, very competitive markets, you know, they're not great businesses to begin with. Uh, hopefully we don't have a lot of them and uh, they normally struggle even more during a recession. And then there's there's, you know, some businesses where, you know, they were really focused on growth uh, because they were early in their uh, development. So the stock market struggles to see uh, their current profitability. But as growth starts to mature, they can then go back and look at the business and say, well, we were kind of over investing in this. We should, uh, we should change that, change this. All of a sudden, you have a business that was growing at a good rate, but maybe wasn't profitable and the profits appear and um, and then the stock market rewards them for it. So, you know, there's there's you know, there's lots of things to think about. It's very business by business, but, um, you know, during this period of time, you know, kind of focusing on quality, making sure the balance sheet's in good shape, making sure you understand how their business to develop, you know, normally pays, uh, you know, dividends would be another thing that I like, <laughs> but uh, normally yeah. pays dividends over time. All right. Well, I, uh, I, I, I hate to tell you, I, I lost my second bet because you didn't say dollar cost averaging twice. 
<laughs> so uh, so I'm I'm back to I'm back to break even. But uh, but everyone's benefited from uh, from your wisdom today, Stu. Uh, thanks for thanks for checking in on a uh, on on what ended up being a, a fairly exciting day in uh, in markets after the Fed announcement. And we'll uh, we'll check in with you next week. Great, thanks, Dave. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management Inc. for informational purposes only, and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions.